0: In the following live session recording, Jimmy Bacham, Executive Director of the Atlanta Metro Baptist Association, will talk about who me started church. We want to see churches started all over Georgia, and you can be a part of this endeavor. And this session will tell you how. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump in. We'll, we'll be a, a more tight knit group here, here today. And uh, I know when you hear Uh, who me, plant a church. Uh, One of the things, I tried to reframe it, uh, and the word didn't get out, uh, and that's just because of marketing, because when it was promoted, it was promoted as who me, uh, you know, start a church. People began to get the idea that it's only for a potential church planter, uh, this discussion that we're having today. But actually, I would say that it has a great deal to do with church planter, uh, also sending supporting churches, uh, just a whole model of how do we multiply the witness of the gospel. And uh, and that'll be through churches that'll support, churches that'll send, churches that'll raise up brand new planters eventually and pastors through the the their own church. So all of those things. But let's just go ahead and I, I'll just tell you a little bit about who I am. I've tried to listen a good deal about who you guys are. And uh, glad that you're here. But I'm, my name is Jimmy. Uh, last name is Baucum. You uh, may not be able to read it up here, but it's spelled B A U G H C U M, like Baucum. Uh, most people, it starts with a B, ends with an M, and it's bum bum So I answer to most anything. Uh, I answer mostly to Jimmy. And uh, I just transitioned in January uh, to a new role. And this role, I really ran from it. Um, I, I did, I don't know if you've ever done that in your life, to where, you know, you, God is putting some pieces in place for you to do something, and, and you're thinking, well, that, nah, that's not what I want to do. That's not where I need to go. And so I backed into it, and I finally, when I paused and talked to some folks who were good advisors and began to pray, um, God began to shift my heart. And so I started in January uh, being the new, uh, it's called, uh, we call it executive director there, of the Atlanta Metro Baptist Association. Uh, the gentleman who led it before I am uh, was there, not as the primary leader the whole time, but 39 and a half years. So he was kind of Atlanta Metro uh, Baptist Association for 39 and a half years, and he retired. He had done it for 20 something years, I, I should remember. Uh, and so me being there since January, I mean, I, I'm just a new face, and that's all it is right now. So, uh, But we're seeing some progress. We're seeing some good good movement. And a great deal of what we want to see, obviously, is a multiplication of church, a multiplication of a gospel witness throughout Metro Atlanta. I was on staff for five, a little over five years, about five and a half years. Did you want to?
1: No, you go ahead. I'm go sorry.
0: Ahead. No, ben ahead. asked me for a bio. Ben Ben and I have worked together. i back
1: up for, for introducing you.
0: Yeah, at Georgia Baptist, uh, I was on staff at Georgia Baptist uh, for five and a half, that's why I'm so comfortable with being like yeah. that, for five and a half years yeah. in the area of church planting and uh, had a varied experience. One of my passions is leadership, and I mean, and I think you can take leadership. And it can translate into multiple avenues. It can translate into the life of the church because I believe leadership is a distinct aspect also of the nature of God. I mean, God uh, gave us the capacity to influence others and gave us the desire to be in, in influencing kind of relationships. And so you can see that all through the Bible. And, and so that's one of my passions. But I'll tell you, here's my dream. I'll tell you what my dream is for uh, Metro Atlanta, and then I'll tell you what I would say my dream is as well for all of Georgia. My dream for Metro Atlanta is that every neighborhood, I mean every heartbeat in every neighborhood have a clear understanding of the gospel. Every heartbeat, every neighborhood. Every heartbeat, every neighborhood. And the way I believe we will do that is not necessarily with the slow and steady model that we use often. We often use the model of, um, for lack of a better word, they're endorsed, but professional planters. And we don't have enough professional, in quote, endorsed planters throughout North America to reach North America. The, you know, I've even heard this through North American Mission Board, the pipeline has gone dry. Come on in. This is is, uh, Glenn, and uh, Glenn uh, is pastored down and First Baptist Church, High Falls, and uh, so let, let's make sure you get to meet Eric. Okay, and hey, Eric, Eric's in Clarkston.
2: Okay, This is Appleship pastor at um, Clarkston International Bible Church. Yeah.
0: And then this is Jim, and he's at First Fairburn. First Baptist Fairburn. And involved uh, there. So, and this is Ben. Ben Lane. Lange. Yeah,
2: that's I
1: mean.
0: Just planting Pastor out here with the Spring and Douglas County area, and okay. also Major. work as a consultant at the Georgia uh, yeah.
1: Baptist. Yeah. We've met. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I Just wanted to let you guys kind of catch yeah. each other. And you I. You are. I'm Glenn Cannon. Well. Uh, first time was High Falls. Been there about nine sure. months now.
2: I don't hear that well, so sometimes I miss things. Mm-hmm. So if I ask again.
0: Hey, that's all right. right. Hey, that's fine. That's all right. Sometimes I don't process, so there. You know, we're good. Um. And I was just kind of talking a little bit about part of my dream. My dream is for Metro Atlanta, every heartbeat, every neighborhood, to have a clear communication of the gospel and understanding of the gospel. I believe that happens when the churches take ownership and leadership in every neighborhood. One of the things, one of the processes I'd like to see happen, and then we're going to move along, is for every church to know where their people live because their people don't live in the neighborhood always that surrounds the church that they're in. There are people who may live in another neighborhood that is separate, and Atlanta, for example, especially inside the perimeter, is extremely neighborhood-centric. They may not shop outside of their neighborhood. Uh, and I, I'll, I can draw a picture in a moment, if we have time, of kind of what I saw as, as Jesus' strategy. You know, there were 240 villages in Galilee. And, and I'm able to draw parallels because there are 242 distinct neighborhoods in the city of Atlanta. And so I'm looking through the book of Luke, kind of drawing some parallels between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry. Come on in, come on in. How you doing, guys? Uh, This is Samuel Ayala. How you
1: doing, guys?
0: Sorry for me. uh, Come on in. Samuel uh, is just going on staff at Georgia Baptist. You want to tell him real quick?
1: Yes. I'm sorry we're late. Um, Yeah, my name is Samuel Ayala, and we're part of the Church Strengthening, and we'll be working on the Southwest region of Come Georgia, mission's consultant.
0: It's something in, something in my neighborhood. Yes. Oh. We'll be relocating to um, Leesburg, Georgia. Okay. down mm-hmm. here,
1: Albany. Yes. Yeah. Or it's Albany. Albany. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that. I struggle. Scott <laughs> talked about.
0: Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I say Albany, and they remind me whenever I. It's do all it. Benny. It's all Benny. That's right. B E N N Y is like that, like you'd say it. Yes. Now, David, tell me uh,
2: from Perry. I'm a church planter.
0: Oh good. About two and a half years. Good deal. Good. Now where did you plant? Where? Where? In Perry. Oh, in Perry. See I told you I don't hear I don't capture things <laughs> as well as <laughs> I need to at times. Alright, in Perry, good. So central Georgia area mm-hmm. down there.
2: Where
0: everything's come together, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's good. That's good. Alright, right, well let me bring bring us back in for a little bit. Um, so Every heartbeat, every neighborhood. I believe also if we take that kind of approach to where churches take ownership and in resourcing their people, and I think that's part of the, you know, who's your one kind of thing, this emphasis we're hearing now, resourcing the people who live in the neighborhoods, especially in a metro Atlanta area. They may be closed neighborhoods, maybe behind gates, maybe up uh, in a you know, higher rise, maybe in a lot of places like that, but it, it, it becomes that way everywhere, really people cocoon to their neighborhood, their front porch, or even into their living room and go to work, come home, eat dinner. So what if throughout Georgia, the churches took that role of resourcing their people, not just the pastors, on how to reach their neighbors and how to reach in their neighborhood? I'm the, I'm the result of, of a family that had no, I knew no one in my family that claimed to know Christ on either side of my family and a lady in her late 60s walked across this little patch of grass and invited me to church one day, I'm sure with sweaty palms and a pounding heart. And uh, and I could say no to everybody else. I don't even know the name of a single church in town, I, I promise you, I, I thought First Baptist Church, please, I, I know they're, this is getting recorded, but in my hometown I thought First Baptist Church, this is just what I thought was a funeral home because it was white, the big block and most of the time when I'd go by there periodically I'd see a hearse in front of it. (laughs) It's not a place I wanted to go and and so I got invited I went and within a week I came to know Jesus. Totally changed the trajectory of my life and so what if we did that? Now out of that what if those people who are investing in their neighborhoods began to get a call here from God that hey not only are you going to build a community in this neighborhood But it may be that you have the capacity to start a church and plant a church. I'm fast-forwarding. There are a lot of steps in between. But I think if we could capture, if we could recapture what happened in the 1700s in North America, before it was North America, if we could capture what happened in the 1700s where we empowered people, we developed people, we resourced people, we trained them, we supported them, we sent them out, to be the discipled influencer in their neighborhoods, that we will discover pastors, we'll discover planters, we'll discover leaders uh, in in Christian environments, plus doctors and lawyers and everything else who will be faithful believers, discipled uh, in in those environments. So out of that though, someone may ask the question, uh, who me, plant a church? I really do that? I don't know where all of you are in that kind of um, maybe journey. Maybe you're in here tonight because you want to just support church planters, and you want to kind of hear a little bit about that. Uh, Whatever the reason is, I want to start focusing us just a little bit on if if you're saying who me plant a church. uh, This is kind of a three-part time that I want us to have. The first part is I want us to talk about some of the competencies of church planting. What are the, some of the competencies of a church planter? And I'm gonna give you a handout in a moment, so if you need it, I, I don't carry pens, I don't know if you do, and I probably should have brought one for you. Uh, but some of the competencies of church plant, planter. Then I wanna move into, then what are some of the benefits of a church that gets involved in supporting or sending a church planter? What are some of those benefits? And I want us to brainstorm some of that. And then lastly, I want to give you a quick thumbnail sketch. If you or you know someone who senses a clear call or at least as an interest in church planting, what are some of the steps that you could follow, at least in the context of Georgia Baptist, to be able to get started? How do you get started? So those are really the three components for tonight uh, that we've got about an hour. And look, I'm flexible. That's the middle name of church planter is flexible. It is changing. How how many times have you changed your your direction as a church planter in the last two and a half years? Every
2: three to six months. Yeah. Every three to six
0: months, you've got to change something. So you got to be willing to change. You you. I mean, are you doing exactly what you started out to do three years ago?
2: No. No. Uh,
0: I mean, if we all discussed that, you know, I didn't plan where I'd be three years ago. I didn't have a clue. But it's flexibility. So tonight we can practice a little bit of flexibility. So let's let's brainstorm briefly. Uh, just what do you think um, would be the competencies? Because a church planter needs two things: character, a growing character, and needs leadership competencies. And and here's the thing: back just a few years ago, there's a guy named Mac Lake and some others who ended up be developing our assessment process. Uh, even through North American Mission Board, and we use it uh, in, through George Baptist as well. Uh, but Samuel is one of the assessors and helps with that in the area of communication and has been doing that from day one. And so I'm really thankful for him doing that. But uh, there, there, what happened when they were developing that assessment process is they began to go around and interview planters that they stuck, that the church was thriving. And thriving is not just numbers. But it was thriving. It was impacting the community, and they began to ask the question: We understand the favor of God and the power of God, but what is it that helped you be a success at church planting? Now, again, this is not a success story, but what, but I think God. If you look at Joshua, God wants us to have good success at what He calls us to do, right? And so they began to ask that that question and began to listen and compile this and when they finally brought all of it together, they compiled it into a list of competencies. So I want us to just do a quick practice here. If you thought of a competency, and competency is a skill, it's an ability. For example, I will give you the first one. How about How right, that? you just finish saying it, correct right, Well well that is a part of it, but calling. Mm-hmm. A clear and compelling calling. A calling. Having a clear calling from God. That's a competency really. For church planting, if you don't have a calling from God to plant, you're gonna when you hit the brick wall, and when you hit the difficult moment, and when you have the vision hijackers who come in because they will, they will. People will look at the church plant and they'll go, now it's something that's starting small enough I can shape it. What I've always wanted to see in the life of church, and it'll happen. They'll come in and say, Pastor, I've got this, this, uh, this dream. And, They'll, they'll try to put it on, and, and what'll happen is a lot of planters, if they're not, have that clear calling from God, a lot of planters will just take all of that and just try to make everybody happy. And you know what happens when you try to make everybody happy? Nobody's happy, Right? Not even you. So, what are besides calling, now we I'll write that up here. What are some of the others? So calling? Uh, what are some others?
1: Entrepreneurial.
0: Okay. Entrepreneurial? You might have to Let's see.
1: You are. Evil.
0: All right, I, hopefully I got it. <laughs> we try to challenge ourselves <laughs> not to write in cursive, but when I can't spell it, I'm going to put it in cursive so I can kind of have some uh, deniability, <laughs> right? Faith uh, is one. Faith. Okay. Faith. Anything else? Focus. Focus. Okay. Focus. The flexibility one? Flexibility? Is that I did hear that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Flexibility? Disciple maker. Okay. Disciple maker. Alright, keep them coming. I can write. Evangelistic. Evangelistic. Minded. Evangelistic minded. Alright, I'm going to stop with just evangelistic, but that will get minded in there. Okay. Alright, evangelistic minded. Any Anything else? Multiplier multiplier. Any others? A supporting spouse. A supporting spouse? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Without that, I will tell you, how many times have we come to a place of assessment and we? it's very clear by the end of the assessment retreat that the spouse just is not ready and does not want to do this? usually doesn't happen at that place, but when it does, as assessors, we in our, we call it the after party, in our after party when we're doing the debrief, we put a pause on it. Because we want healthy couples planting churches. And we want to help them get healthy. And health has a bit about them going in the same direction, right? So if a husband feels like God's called him to plant and the wife is not ready yet, then The wife needs to be able to either have opportunity to grow into that or the husband has to realize that maybe God's trying to speak to him through his wife in in some instances. And that happened recently with a church planter that I know. They had relocated. They had gone through all the process. They were about to launch the church plant. And the young man realized, my wife is not going to be able to make this happen. Well that's that's a lot of pressure on us on a wife. But he did an excellent job of not making her feel like she was shutting down his dream. And they they found themselves now they're in a good strong ministry serving in a church and she's happy and he's and happiness is not our goal. I mean it's a good byproduct. Happiness is not our goal, but it is important for us to be called into that ministry. All don't right, any, any put, others.
2: Don't you think he Benefit his ministry.
0: Benefit out did that shake out? Oh no question. He is a different man today because he walked through that pri- that process with his wife, and and he found himself honest before God in that kind of environment of, with related to his wife. Now leadership. Here's, say it again. Leadership. Leadership. All right, you got back. To, I can I tell you are a get-it-done kind of guy. You got right back to the task. I appreciate that leadership.
2: I have a little mentorship.
0: <laughs> all right, and one of the mentors are right here. Yeah. All right. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I want us to now look through those 12 competencies. They came up with 12. Does that mean that they're only 12? No. These are the 12 competencies that were settled upon that, that we would, in church planting, would assess. So I'm kind of giving you, uh, stop the recorder, no. I'm kind of giving you a little bit of a cheat sheet, <laughs> but it's, it's known. And then trained off of that, then coached off of that. Are, are we perfect at it? No. Do we get it right every time? No. But these these are the heartbeats that, that the heartbeat that we have as far as those competencies. So let's let's look at that. And I'll I'll uh, I've already said a, a planter must be constantly growing in his character and his leadership competencies. And let me give you these. Let me help you. Yeah. If you have a pen, that's fine. If you don't, then and uh, you can guess the answers. I won't even give you blanks. By the way. As a side note while you're getting those, um, in the training model that uh, that I've gotten accustomed to, uh, adult learning models, we don't give handouts. We don't do uh, projection. It's a lot of activity. We would have you around these post-its doing different things, coaching one another, guiding one another in discussion uh, with less of what I'm doing now, directive teaching. So. Uh, But anyway, we need character and competencies. That would be the first one? No, that's just a reminder. Here's the first one. (laughs) Competency one, identify and confirm a passionate (laughs) sense of calling. Keyword: calling. A passionate sense of calling. If there is not a passionate sense of calling, what did God do? I mean, we can see this through the scriptures, and I wish we had time tonight to chase every one of these. I've got scriptural background for all of them. Matter of fact, each one of these... There are 11 sessions at four hours apiece. All right, on on these. So we're not gonna cover all that, but scripture, activity, understanding. The goal is to help a planter and a planter couple, a family, to really grasp these things uh, so so that they can be prepared as they go along. So passionate sense of calling. Number two, competency two. Master the discipline of leading yourself. Focus. So, I mean, I can see some of the things you've already said that are there. I mean, look, we've now we said calling, I I gave that one. Uh, Focus. Leading ourselves sometimes requires us to be more flexible than we'd like to be, right? So, you can see the flexibility. There's so many the other that we'll be able to find as we go through and see if see if you hit most of those along the way. So lead yourself the most difficult person to lead. For me is me. Why? You gotta be disciplined. I gotta be disciplined. Well, there. You, and well, we could have put self-discipline up there too. I gotta be disciplined. I've got I've got to prioritize myself, and I'm in the process now of looking at my schedule. Looking at what I'm giving my attention to and saying, How do I reorient my focus? Because this is an old principle, and I've heard it for years something called a Pareto principle. And this, I'm pulling something way out of history from John Maxwell. And here's the thing 80% of what we do has 20% of the outcome, 20% of what we do has about 80% of the result. So if we find that niche, that place, where the 20% we need to do, that we must do, we can have more outcome from that, more result from that. And, and Ben and I talked a while back, you know, about a couple of things, and Ben's got this mantra. What is that about do what I must do? How do you how do you evaluate what you're oh, getting involved in? Yes. The, the
1: three questions I asked, us Yes. What is it that only I can do, that I need to do, okay? As a pastor, as a husband, okay? Secondly,
0: what is it that I need to delegate?
1: Thirdly,
0: what is it in my life that I need to eliminate? Yeah, eliminate. Yeah, eliminate. Yeah. Delete. Yeah. Delete. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. I mean, that's <laughs> that's huge, right? Yeah, got and,
1: Yeah, you you taught
0: me that. Well, you you got it better than I did in a lot of ways. I tell you, but yeah. you know, but here it is. What is it that only I can do? That's the, that's part of the twenty percent. What is it that I can delegate? That still needs to be done, but I can delegate it. I can raise up others to take care of that. That may be a part of that other 80%. It's still important, Uh, but you need to focus on the 20. And then what is it that no one will ever notice, and it won't make a bit of difference if we just don't even do it? Just don't even do it, and what can I eliminate? Uh, So leading ourselves. Competency three. Understand the makeup of our community. Now, that's not even the competency. That's the underlying element of the competency. Here's the competency. To develop a missional engagement strategy. Now, let's pause there for a second. I'm pushing pause. And you know, if we just finished tonight on this. That, that'll be enough, but I'm going to still try to finish. But let's, let's just hang out here for a second. If every church and every leader in the church would together in each individual church would come up with a missional engagement strategy for their community. An engagement strategy. And help, and that's what I'm talking about, help resource their people to know how to share. I spoke with a group of senior adult ladies yesterday in Atlanta. And when I spoke with them, I reminded them of Miss Brown, the lady who was in her late 60s that invited me to church and changed the direction of my life. And, and because of that, I looked at them and I said, who are you going to be the Miss Brown for? They're in your neighborhood right now. They they are in the, maybe the grocery stores. They're in your sphere of influence somewhere right now. If we could help people capture that and then help resource them. And one lady began to ask questions. Well, I, I typically just go, and she would hit moral issues very rapidly. And I'm like, hey, if we could help coach people on how to hit the core issues first. Let Christ change the heart. Because there were things I continued to believe and think after I came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. That if somebody had tried to change about my thinking before I gave my life to Christ, I probably would have never come to know Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that's bad. But if we get people to Jesus and He changes our hearts and we attach them to His Word and we get into the Word and began to study it and, and kind of just just grow in understanding it, then those things changed about me. I looked at them and I'm like, well, I, I made a commitment to Christ and if I'm committed to Jesus and this is what His Word says, then I'm the one that's out of line. And so I need to align myself to Scripture. And so I did. Uh, so same thing, if we could help our people to, to reach out in their community and engage their community. So competency three, understand the makeup of our community. There's some exercises we do, and I, I've thought about having you do this, but it will take all the time. And so I'd love to, if you want, I'll give you my card in just a little while, and you can, uh, you can feel free to email me or, or something, and hopefully it won't go into spam. If it does, follow up, please, because that has happened, uh, that it goes into spam, and I don't want folks to think I'm unresponsive. Uh, to you. But, uh, But here's the thing. If we could learn how to engage our community and learn about ourselves, the makeup of our community. And one of the exercises that we do even in the training is to describe our community. It's called the kingdom concept. What is our local predicament? What is our collective potential as a group of people, those of us and in the community? And then lastly, what is our, and this is what this, it's a Will Mancini kind of thing. If you don't know who that is, don't worry about it. And then lastly, the question is, uh, what is our um, apostolic esprit? Now, that's a term we don't use often. In other words, what just energizes us? What is our passion? And so when we take those three, our community, local predicament, and understand, really understand it. And then we look at our uh, our collective potential, the people that are gathering around us that we have as resources. One person figured out, you know what, we've got a school system. The, several of the people are in our church. Well, that's potential. Because now you got students, now you got you got all this access. You know, where you guys are in Clarkston, you, you had to wrestle with what is your collective potential. And then what is it that wakes you up in the morning, that energizes you, that impassions you in your service to Christ? And where those intersect, you put those three circles together, it creates a little, almost like a little uh, shield. And then we walk through that with church planters and start asking them, give us a story. If this story got out about your church plant, you'd be happy about it. One story. What about a scripture? Is there one scripture that would define your church plan after this exercise? Then we walk down and we walk through a couple of statements, and then we finally start driving them toward what is one word, just one word, that if this word you communicated it about your church plan and your, your people and your focus, then it would communicate who you are. And so it really does help clarify. And then out of that, we st- that informs a what we call a vision frame to where we begin to understand who we are and, and what is our long-term vision, the horizon vision. What are the, what are the things we believe God wants to accomplish in the next three to five years? What, are the, what is the thing we believe God wants us to accomplish in the next year? And then the bottom part, there are like four little blocks that we would draw out. What are the barriers between that next year's vision being accomplished? that we need to work on in the next 90 days, those become our daily planner. That becomes our 20%. What are the barriers? What are the things that if we could just fix this, do this, accomplish this, it'll help us reach our one-year vision. And if we reach that one-year vision, it helps us move toward those bigger rocks that get us to the three to five years and ultimately to the horizon vision. And, but we use all that to inform that. And so it comes up, though, understanding the makeup of your community is critical as a background, right? So if we, if we don't know our community, how many times do planters drop in a community with a photocopied vision and plan? <laughs> oh, I've done it, all right? You just photocopy it and say, this sounds really good and I like this, and you try to implement it and you realize the community is not the same missional engagement strategy. Here it is. Competency four. Cast a clear and compelling vision. So, um, I think missional strategy, understanding your community, going back to that, was entrepreneurial. <coughs> I believe that's entrepreneurial. It's being able to see what's out in front of us. Uh, compelling vision. I think that does relate some to leadership. It is, it is uh, clear for us to have leadership, but I'll miss one of those you gave. So you guys have been hitting them. But a clear, compelling... Why clear and compelling? Because if the church planter's not clear,
1: mm-hmm. and, and he, he's not compelling of that vision that God gave him. then If he's lost, everybody else is going to be lost. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a friend that used to say this, that if there is fog in the pew, that meant or if there's mist in the pew, that meant there was fog on the platform. I think that's what he said. Something to that effect. Basically, (laughs) cut that, please. Uh, Basically, if there is fog or confusion in the pew and in the seats, that meant there must have been fog or confusion from the platform because what happens is we overstate, we have to overstate, overstate, overstate before people get it. Have you ever noticed that? We have a process and a development that we use and we're excited about it and by the time we get tired of it, people are just capturing it. And then we change it. Now flexibility is important. <coughs> but also follow through is important. Stay, keep riding that horse of strategy if people are starting to catch it. Uh, so compelling vision. Then competency number five, and i gonna speed it up a little. Lead from a bold faith that takes prayerful risks. Bold faith. Huh. There's the word faith. <laughs> yeah, you cheated a little bit. Uh, yeah, you knew the answers. Yeah. Appreciate you holding out some. Because then I'd have no reason to even be here. You could have taught this, right? Uh, lead from a bold faith that takes prayerful risks. Why prayerful risks? Risks are not good if they're not Informed by our prayer and our relationship with God.
2: To
0: be, they, they, can, they can do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, risk could be foolish if it's not of God. But risk that is of God that is not prayerfully taken through bold faith is missing an opportunity. And, you, and a planter, I'm telling you, If a planter's not willing to be disliked sometimes, and I don't mean want to be disliked, not willing to put it all on the line and say my whole future, is I know guys that have leveraged everything. And it's painful. I mean, most guys do. I think the struggle is this, and here's part of my struggle even in Metro Atlanta, is people drop in and they feel the pressure to hurry up and launch. They get about two years of financial support. When the two years are up, they haven't had time to really build the foundation of a church in an environment that is anti-Christian. It really is. And so in that two years, their funding is up and they gotta either get a job or leave. And I'm like, we've gotta change it. We need at least a four year Mm -hmm. ramp. And I don't mean that Georgia Baptist and others should even add extra giving, but I mean, that's not a bad thing. And it's not a bad thing for that to happen, but what I mean is why couldn't churches, and why couldn't we, especially if we're raising them up from within, even our Atlanta metro churches, why couldn't churches resource someone at that on-ramp, that initial on-ramp, where they don't feel the pressure to launch too soon? And they build the relationships, and they make those disciples, and and they take those bold risks of faith. They keep their day job especially if they have a day job that attaches them and connects them to people. And they leverage that to build the relationships that lead to an eventual launch. And then, at that moment, our uh, partners like Georgia Baptist and others will help more fully fund. And that two years' funding can have greater capacity because they've already had this build-up, this ramp-up of relationships. Um, anyway, prayerful risks, bold faith.
2: Um. Yes? Yes? That will work if you're staying in that city, but if you move to another city, right? It's, 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 you gotta scratch
0: nothing zero. Exactly, because uh, and, and a lot of times, even in Metro Atlanta, inside it has to be that neighborhood, and and uh, because people are so neighborhood centric. Um, but yeah, if if it's done where they're they intern and they develop in one city and then they go to another, it's really not accomplishing. It's still helpful for the planter, but it's not accomplishing fully what, what I'm talking about, and that is engaging the community. The planters who do the best at being able to, to gather people for the mission and with the gospel are the ones who have spent the most time developing relationships and engaging community. I mean, it, even it, it's that's not unlike a pastor, right? You know, a pastor... You know, that's why it's a sad thing when churches, pastors change every two to four years. And that's probably being generous. About the time they're starting to get to know each other, he's gone. Now somebody's got to come in and it's always the new packaging and the new bow on the top of a gift. And then relationships dropped again. And I think we've fallen into some of that trap in church planting as well. So uh, it is bold faith. This is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to take prayerful risk and, and get this and, and be a part of this. Uh, stop me anytime, by the way. Competency six, evaluate your values. Now, what do values do? Values remind us what to say no to. <laughs> they just do, and I and I'm might go into uh, and highlight what they are, but then integrate them into the DNA of the church plant. There is a statement that uh, I, like, I like that we do in some of the training, and that is this. to to integrate value, your values into the life of the church, or church plant, even in your church. You have to spend time with that value, multiplied, so over a period of time, multiplied by repetition. Again, what did I say earlier? By the time we get tired of it, it's when people are starting to catch it. By repetition, plus adding to that discipline. The discipline we have to model it the discipline we have to continue to engage people in it, that then leads to integration. So here's the formula. Time times repetition plus discipline equals integration. So evaluate your values, integrate them into the again.
1: Uh,
0: it is time times repetition plus discipline equals integration. So if we spend time with it and we give it time, because again, by the time people start catching it, we've moved on to something else, right? So time multiplied by repetition, if we add discipline to it and we model it and we, you know, we help others to model it, then that leads to integration. Okay. Alright, let's go to the next because I want to move this on so we can get to the last part in particular. Competency seven, effectively raise and manage money. <laughs> one, one church planter told me one time, I am not a fundraiser," And I would say, eh, you could say you should really be a, a partner developer. But it's gonna require raising funds because it takes resources to launch an airplane into the sky more fuel at launch, more energy at launch, all of those kinds of things. It takes resources to launch a new church plant into existence. It just does. Energy. I remember at one, one time even as planting a church thinking I have no time for anything else right now. It was just so uh, it just saps energy. So you've got to be fed that's why it's got prayer, bold faith, prayerful risks be, re, leading yourself, staying attached to the vine, Jesus. Uh, and, then, and then through that, we continue to have the energy to press through, right? When things get different. So raise and manage money. That comes into character and competence. Competency eight <laughs> be intentional about making disciples that make disciples. Be intentional about making disciples that make disciples and don't forget the kids. Don't forget your the wife. So why do, why do we say make disciples that make disciples? Because if we just make disciples and that's it, and the link ends, then I mean we're not fulfilling what Christ called us to do. So make disciples that continue that process of making disciples. And go again. Read Luke one through ten. You'll you'll see that in practice.
1: And the and the famous word out of Jesus' mouth is now you do the same. Go mm-hmm. you go do the same. That's right. Why? Because you got to multiply yourself and make a disciple. But be intentional with your disciple and telling him, um, we're gonna finish, wrap up in three months, six months, or whatever time you have. But then. After I'm done, you're going to do the same. Mm-hmm. So they, that DNA could continue.
0: And, and you know, my discipleship, again, I came from nothing. I knew nothing. I couldn't have found a verse in the Bible for anything when I came to know Christ. I didn't know this, but after Miss Brown had invited me to church and I came to know Jesus, there was a man named Theron Searcy. And I, and I just think this is valuable enough for us. Theron Searcy was probably in his 70s. Uh, his, his son had been a missionary. And I could tell why God had used him in his son's life. And and what he did is he went to a guy named Joey Smith, who actually pastors in my hometown now. And he'd been called in the ministry, and he said, Joey, I want you to disciple Jimmy. Take him under your wing and disciple him. I didn't know that conversation ever occurred until later, Joey told me finally. And so what Joey ended up doing is he would bring me to church. He would... He would say, "Hey, I've been reading the Bible, and here's a verse that's really been speaking to me. And here's, you know, and then he continued to do. His, well, you know what happened? That's peer pressure, because all of a sudden I gotta have a verse, and so I'm reading my Bible to find something to share with Joey. And so I finally did, and I was so thrilled the first time I was able to really share something with him. And so what did it do? I was engaging Scripture, and Scripture was changing me, and reformatting me to the person." in and of, of, and the character of Christ. And uh, so much so that my mom, who was not a Christian at the time, gave me a New Testament that I wanted. And she wrote in the front of it, you really are a Christian. She saw me change from the self-absorbed. Now, I still can slide back into that, right? Can't we? But she saw a real change from the self-absorbed, get my own way kind of guy that I was as a, as a young teenager. And saw Jesus do a work in my life. And a lot of that had to do with being a disciple, too. Well, then, Mr. Searcy, and then we'll move on. He decided it was coming close to summer. I remember he looked like he was tall as the mountains, but I just hadn't hit the growth spurt yet and, uh, in many ways. And so he, looked, he stood there and he said, Would you like a summer job? Well, a summer job meant money, meant you know, all that. So, and I respected him, so I said, Sure. He picked me up every day, took me to his home, his wife and he were there, and he showed me how to do his garden and how to and mow his lawn. You know, I mowed his lawn. I picked up the limbs, did all those things. But every day at lunch, he would bring me in for a sandwich. Come in, come get a sandwich. And we would sit at the table. Simple stuff. I didn't even know what was happening. And he'd say, hey, I've been reading, and here's what God's been teaching me. What's God been saying to you lately? <laughs> i got to have an answer. So I'm engaging Scripture again, right? and uh, he ended up and I, I, this was interesting to me I, later I sent a call in the ministry and I was 15 at the time and by the time I was 15 and close uh, maybe I was close to 16 he had to have bypass surgery and he came to me and he said would you teach my Bible study class on Sunday morning well he was giving me a job to do what did Jesus do? He sent the disciples out and, but you know who this class was? The senior adult men. <laughs> was I gonna teach them something? I was I had a ludicrous thought that I was gonna teach these men something. <laughs> they were so generous. And I'd get up and draw stick figures and I'd do all these things thinking, I'm pouring into these men. I'm you know <laughs> all the while these men are pouring into me. Six months. I stayed in quote teaching that senior because it took him that long to recuperate. Six months. Now, how did that change my life? <clears throat> I was given it. And so, out of that, development would occur. Well, here's the thing. We are going back. We are to make disciples that make disciples. And I guess I hit the button by accident. Competency nine, let's you know, change gears. Develop measurable systems and structure to fulfill your vision. It takes systems and structure, it just does. We don't like it sometimes but it takes it. As a matter of fact, there are about ten systems that every church has in structure. If you didn't have structure, right now, you sitting in that chair, you would be falling into the, onto the ground because your skeletal system provides structure for you to be able to... your muscular system provides structure. Your cardio, your cardiovascular system provides oxygenated blood to the muscles and all the structure of your body. So churches need systems and structure. Here are about ten of them: governance. How do you make decisions?
2: Are these are together system and structures. Yeah, yeah,
0: I'm just doing, yeah, doing them together. Yeah, uh, governance, corporate gatherings. How are you going to gather people? Worship. What, what are you? What is going to be your model there? Financial management. What is the process of management? How are you going to keep up with who gives? You know, the IRS requires that. (laughs) And how much they gave and where it goes and does it go to, you know, to what you said it would. Volunteer development. How are you going to develop volunteers? You're going to need people to greet folks, right? You don't want to be an unfriendly church or church plant. You're going to need people to help take care of the children. Uh, Guest follow-up. And you can email me in a minute. I mean, when I give you this and I'll send you the list guest follow-up. How are you going to stay in touch with people who do finally come as a result of your engagement? People movement. I remember uh, it, when I was at Eagle's Landing, we would actually, I would take a family, a fictional family, and say they're coming in the facility. They're coming to us now after we somebody has engaged them. They're now coming. What's going to happen to every member of their family? How are they going to get there? Who's responsible for that? Where is it going to be? What is the temperature going to be? What are they going to experience? How are they going to get back? What, you know, all these things. When emergency management comes through and says there's a tornado coming over, who's going to get people where they're supposed to be? How are they going to get there? I mean, these are things, I'm not trying to scare you, but these are things that we have to do. It is the rent we pay on the ministry. You know, it's the rent we pay on getting to do the fun stuff we get to do in ministry. Um, leadership development. That's different than volunteer development. Leadership development. How are you going to raise up leaders who take responsibility? Evaluation. How do you evaluate how things are going? Uh, communication. How do you get the word out? How do you preach? How do you, what is the system of it? But how do you get the word out about what's happening in the life of the ministry? And annual planning is what I know I'm saying them fast. Annual planning is one, and there are more. I'm just giving you a little, annual planning. I had a friend that used to say this. I don't know where he got it, but it was years ago. He said, basically, he said, uh, when you're planning, shoot for the stars. You might get a streetlight. Yeah, but you won't ever hit the stars if you don't aim for them. And annual planning is aiming, right? So we've got to we've got to plan annually, but be flexible and know that things do change. Opportunities do arise. So, systems and structure, uh, there are so many resources on that, uh, just feel free, I'll, I'll be glad to tell you about some resources, send me a note. Competency 10, empower key leaders to execute the vision. Now where are these key leaders supposed to come from for a planter? Alright let's, let's draw a little scenario here for a second again. You fill the call, if you do, or you know someone who does, to plant a church. You don't, how are you going to get to know the first couples, the first people, the first uh, folks you're going to engage? Where are you going to find them? I remember an assessment, one of the first assessments I ever did, I kept asking this guy that said he felt called to plant. And I'm not saying he didn't. He ultimately planted and did a, good, a great job and is still doing it. But he didn't have a clue where he was going to find the first thing. He was just going to drop into an urban environment and plant church. You know how he was going to plant it? He was going to rent up a space. He was going to put a pulpit up in the front. He was going to put signs out. And he was going to canvas the neighborhood. We don't live in a come and see environment in that in the urban environment in particular anymore. And I kept asking, where are you going to find? Where are you going to find the first people? Where are you going to get to know them? And he was going to put a pulpit up. He was going to put a platform up. He was going to rent a building and expect people to come. He changed over time. But I was like, are you going to stand in front of the shopping centers? Or are you going to go to the coffee shops? And I know people joke about planters hanging out at coffee shops. Is he going to have a job, though, that he can get in contact with people? If you're going to have to have a job, find one where you're going to be around people. Intentionally think about how to engage people so that you can find people, lead them to Christ, develop them into disciples who make disciples, and discover out of that, through a pipeline development, key leaders. And then empower them to uh, execute the vision. It's hard work, isn't it? Hard work. Ben did it. How many years? Twenty-something years already, right? Yeah,
1: twenty-five
0: or Yeah, and it's it's not rocket science, but it, but it does require competencies. Competency 11: Communicate for Kingdom Impact. And that's what uh, Samuel helps us assess: is communication, preaching. Communicating truth. Communicate for kingdom impact. Clear gospel measures. Clear gospel measures. Yes. And then 12. Create a culture of multiplication. What are we multiplying? Disciples. What are we multiplying? Leaders. What are we multiplying? Churches. We can continue to think everything we do is to support the multiplication of disciples by engaging our community and those in it. Everything we do is then to multiply from those disciples who are following Jesus to become leaders, multiply leaders. Not all will, but many will if we're intentional. And then out of the leaders, are we willing to take prayerful risks, bold faith, to send people out to multiply churches? A multiplying church is a church that I believe raises up from within, in their community and within their church, people that will ultimately plant or pastor other churches. But plant in specific, specific terms, that's multiplication from the body of that church. So, with that being said, um, we hit y'all hit pretty well. I didn't go back and mark all of them. Multiplier. Supporting spouse, that goes all through that. Leading yourself, leading your family, I think, is a part of that as well. So you did really well on the list that we did. Now, I want us to think about this question because we've got about 20 minutes maybe at most. Because i got to let you out, all right? I don't want to, but i got to, right? So with that being said, let me get to my notes here. Uh, what are some ways uh, or benefits, do you think, that come from a church? Let's say you're a part of a church. You don't feel the call to plant. Maybe you're in this room and you're not here to plant, but you're here to be a support of church planters, and you're here to maybe even send a church planter out of your environment. Uh, what, are, what are some of the benefits that might come from that? Let me just write those down. For the church, not the plant, not even the planter. For the supporting church. Because I believe that established churches who embrace this multiplication mindset will see huge benefits as a result of that. And, and it's it's counterintuitive, right? Anybody here ever ridden a motorcycle? Wrong. Well, i got a couple of you. Uh, Alright, now we're growing. See, that's multiplication, right? Have you ever heard of counterintuitive steering on a motorcycle? You just think you turn that thing and it turns. No. You did it instinctively, probably. You, well, and some people lean. Well, you can't lean hard enough to hit some of those curves. I mean, you go up in North Georgia and try to hit some of those curves. Counterintuitive steering, if you push here, that bike is going that direction and it'll go rapidly. If you need to go around something that's in the road, you just do that. Simply just a little bit of a push on the right, push on the left, and you'll go right around. It will it will steer. Now, don't go out of here if you ride a motorcycle now, and you've not played around with this, and hit it real hard. You know, get in a parking lot and see what it does. It will change your direction just like that. Well, I think for church, churches that are established, churches that struggle, This is counterintuitive. If I change, okay, this is counterintuitive. We think we got to pull in this direction and continue to build our crowd. And if we don't do that and refuse to let people go and be a part of planting, then we will grow our church. But what we end up doing is stifling leaders, stifling potential, and we clog up the pipeline of development. But oh, there are benefits if we... Man, there are struggles, yes. But benefits if we sin and we're willing to embrace that. It's counterintuitive, a lot like riding a motorcycle. So what are some of the benefits you think? Give me some a list. This is for the established church that supports or sins.
2: I do know how to put it on, on the board, but it, it gives people a vision of the outward advance of God's kingdom rather than an inward
0: inward look, which is healthy for the individual, but it's healthy for a church. Alright, so helps the church see outwardly. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Make sure you clear me up if I'm saying the wrong thing. Yeah. See outwardly. And if I need to add to that, make sure you help me do that. Alright. Uh, so yeah, helps the church to see outwardly. To see the community again. What happens to a church over over years? Uh, coach club. Yeah, it can become more country club-like or s- focused inwardly. It's stagnant. Stagnant. Yeah, stagnant. That's the word. Inwardly focused doesn't mean they're a bad church. It's just it's the natural progression of relationships to begin to look into the comfortable relationships.
1: It stops a, a, it stops
0: a healthy growth mm-hmm. of a church if you don't know, send out. Or yeah. So a result of maybe helping the church to see more the needs outwardly may lead them to start having a passion to reach those. Okay, so it could impact their outreach. And I would think if a, and here's the thing, church planters need to learn to partner well with sending and supporting churches to help them to see this benefit as well. And not just be a receiver, but also someone who can help invest. It's
1: also, it benefits the church because we're kingdom-minded driven. Okay. It's not self-centered or my empire or my kingdom, but it's God's kingdom, God's people.
0: Develops kingdom thinking or mindedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, you know God may be doing some things that are outside of our walls as well. Okay, so it extends that vision, that reach. What some others?
1: For us, I know that it unites
0: us. Oh, that's a good But But shouldn't it divide you? Because you just send people out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It unites you. It unites
1: with <coughs> a common cause. People really mm-hmm. feel good about yeah. that we're into
0: it. Yeah, it unites with a common cause. Is there any joy involved oh, in that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It could even strengthen. And how many of our churches that are established right now need a little joy? Yeah. <laughs> What happens when you hear some of the first results? And, and it may take a while. That Here's the thing that ascending or supporting church needs to be cautious about. And I'd say don't, don't keep pressuring that planter to have immediate results to report back. You've got to understand that if you're going to have a crop of corn, you're going to go through the sowing, planting, watering, and all that before you get to the harvest. But a church needs to do that as well. Uh, And so we need to celebrate the little wins along the way. Any other? I think it should create generosity in people. Ooh, that's a good one. So greater generosity. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? It is. I mean, unless we hold on to them, we can't keep their tithing gifts. They might not be tithing and giving in the first place. But if they sense a vision and a movement in the kingdom, wow, you know, maybe I could give to that. And then you tell them ways they could support. Right? Anything else? There are plenty of them. Here's my goal. I have yes. another one. Um, also, if if
1: you were to see either the supporting or sending church as a, a motherhood, every every sending or supporting church should figure that they need to birth out, you know, a, you know, a new mm-hmm. baby, so there could be joy and celebration mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. something birthed out. Yeah. out of them but if we don't have this mindset then we're just gonna stay not even pregnant. we'll just stay yeah. as a mother
2: but yeah. not even a mother a female forever yeah. you know? so this doesn't you can't put it up there but my church is a supporting church we five years ago started partnering with a church in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. they have come to us and said we don't need your
0: How did that feel? Oh, it was Good, because it sounds like we don't you need know, you. You know what we did? What is that? We went to Baltimore to go to more churches. Yeah. Well, how beautiful is it to see your children become sustainable? Mm. That's really what it's a lot like you've heard. That we don't need you to continue supporting like you no. have been, because we're, we've now grown to a point of sustainability. Now you invest somewhere else. That's beautiful. They've actually been able to
2: what's the legal word of becoming a church? Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Incorporating incorporated. or... there's
2: a legal word for it, but nevertheless, that's what they've become. And not just our church, there's other churches involved in the thing. Autonomous? I, pardon, autonomous is the word? Autonomous autonomous? Yeah, in a way, yeah. But the point of it is to see that happen, mm-hmm. it the have a part of it. Mm-hmm. I went there a couple of times, and then we went to Baltimore. Uh, we sent 37 people. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. And, okay, the pastor's gone. Cisco rich is gone. <laughs> this person's gone. Let's go take out the slack. Yeah. Oh, people slept. They gotta take out the slack. Now you got people understanding
0: Okay, some people do. So it builds more leaders. Opens up the pipeline for leadership. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so it can strengthen leadership. It feels as counterprodu- counterintuitive, right? It feels the opposite. I remember having a lady come to me one time in a church plant. and She said to me, I feel like we ought to... Minister to the nurses and doctors in the hospital. Her husband had been in and out of the hospital, and she said, I'd like, I think the church ought to do that. And I told her, uh, she was from Cuba originally, and I told her, I said, Listen, here's just how I think. If you have the burden, maybe God has given you the blessing of taking that responsibility. She said, I've never led anything. I said, Tell you what, why don't, why don't you do this? We, why don't you do this? Go home, come back next week, and write out, if you were leading it, what would you do? What should it look like? And I gave her a couple of hints and things like that. She came back with a wonderful plan.
2: Mm.
0: And I said, let me ask you, if we put some people with you to walk alongside you, would you be willing to be the point person and lead this? She said yes. She led that for several years. And I'll tell you something, the first year was rough. She had to get saved in a couple of spots. Uh, but then you debrief and you walk through that in a in a positive way because why do we expect people to automatically know exactly what to do? Yeah, that's right. And so debrief people, we grow more in leadership through debriefing and training them. Yeah, and and so she got more sufficient with it and more and strengthened in it. And guess what? She had never been asked in another church to lead. <laughs> so even in the church plant, we needed more leaders. But also, when all of a sudden people are gone and sent, we see the capacity of new leaders. We could keep going. Here's a a list that I've seen. Joy of giving. Joy of parenting. Joy of seeing dozens or hundreds of people come to Christ. um, Joy of just being obedient to spreading the seed of the gospel through others. Uh, The sense of God's pleasure and excitement of taking on a big challenge. You know why many times people don't rise to the occasion? It's because we don't give them the occasion to rise to. Wow. And So we have to be able to wisely know how to get people to rise to the occasion. Alright, now <laughs> I think we can stop there with that part and close out with this. If you know someone or you are the someone you know, <laughs> and you sense that God is calling you to plant a church, or you want to at least evaluate that, what would you do? Where do you, How do you get started? Uh, I don't have slides for this necessarily, but we do have a document. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, if you haven't sensed that maybe you should be planting a church, you, again, I'll, I'm going to give you my card here in a second. You can feel free to reach out to me, and I'll get that along. And I take your... Here, here's the thing. I take your confidentiality seriously. <laughs> because there's nothing worse than, let's say, let's say Ben. I'm just going to use Ben as an example. Let's say Ben said, you know, I think maybe God's got me wanting to plant another church now. And he's already been here at Cornerstone for 20-something years. And I go, that's great, Ben. And then you go out and tell somebody, well, I think Ben Lang's going to start another church. And I think Ben Lang's interested in starting another church. Tr- ben Lang may be just simply evaluating it, praying through it. And it may energize his leadership more at Cornerstone. But if somebody gets the word back to Cornerstone, all of a sudden Ben's got a problem, Mm -hmm. right? People need to be able to investigate these things in that private moment between them and God. But they need someone to walk alongside them sometimes. And I'll be glad to do that. But also Ben will. Ben is Georgia Baptist. I'm no longer on staff there. But uh, I'm certainly open. Oh, I like my pretty little red case. It's, it's nice and pretty, yeah. It's just one that wouldn't get them all bent up, all right? Uh, let me just pass a couple of those along. Uh, my cell phone number is not on there. I'll give you my cell phone number. Let's go.
1: Okay. Uh, I already have it. You
0: already got it? Yes, mm, sir. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe you got my new one, too. Oh, let's see. <laughs> uh, the old one still gets to me. Okay. But my new cell number is 404. 491-9677. Feel free to call and uh, I'll, I'll be glad. Now, I may not be able to answer you immediately. Mm-hmm. Just know that. But uh, is it four. Yeah, it's 404-491-9677. And I don't have a problem with anybody calling me. You know, if you have a question, I will connect you to Ben but another person, if you really have an interest and you feel like you're ready to start moving along, is contact Lana Melton at Georgia Baptist. Her email is l. M-E-L-T-O-N, Melton at dot And she'll go, where'd this come from? Just say, Jimmy said to contact you. I, I want to know more about it. But uh, there is a document I can send you that she sent me. It is a Georgia Baptist document. that gives some steps. If you're interested in that, send me an email. I'll send it back to you, and you will never find me walking around in an environment where you are saying, hey, so how's that consideration of church planting going? It's not, that's not healthy for you. So here's some of the steps. Not counting all those uh, competencies, the key is that calling. Do you, are you willing to invest in developing a character that brings honor to Christ? And I'm hoping you already have done that and enveloping yourself in a calling that is to plant a church for the sake of Christ. Here's some things you could do. You could start by going to NAMS website. If you're ready right now, you say, hey, I'm ready. How did I get in that pen? ADD moment. Uh, if you're ready right now, you can go to NAM.net. And on their website it's changed a little. You can look, you know, about church planting and there's a place to register. When you register, you can put in there that you're interested in church planting. Go ahead and feel free to put, if it's in Georgia, put your Relate to Georgia Baptist Convention. Okay. Now if you're in the Atlanta, in Atlanta in particular inside the perimeter, and you've been in touch with Tim Wolfe, North America some of that, you can put in there uh, him and uh, in the, you're a part of the Send Atlanta thing, but it'll walk you through all that. Put all that in. Someone will confidentially call you and have that conversation with you. From their perspective as well. If you then begin to sense, and you get, you'll get some things that you can follow up with. If you get the sense, yes, I still feel like God's calling you to do this, then what will happen is they will connect you to a partner. At most, quite likely Georgia Baptist, if you're not in Atlanta, and it, uh, well, it definitely at Georgia Baptist, and they'll connect you even if you're in Atlanta to Georgia Baptist. But then, from Georgia Baptist side, someone will be in touch with you and begin to walk with you through. How do I go through assessment? How do I get through you know and begin to discover the training opportunities? And and how, do, how does funding look if we are in a plant environment that needs funding? And so I know I'm not giving you enough information. I didn't want this to be an advertisement to where I simply walk through you know step one, step two, step three, step four. I wanted this to be uh, an environment where you can evaluate: Am I even one who senses God might want me to plant first? Because if you're not even sensing that, how strange would it be for me to say, "Go to nam.net, call Lana, and we can just break and be done, right?" Um, but if, and you've already done that, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, you did that. Uh, I know you know there are others that you've been in that process. But if you know someone, that needs to be a part of that. Also, as a sending supporting church, i would be glad to send some resource and information on what, what can that look like. I even, I even have helped churches write out uh, not like memorandum of understanding, that's a, a more, more uh, legal type term. Expectations. But I've helped people write out expectations so that you don't get in the middle of it as a sending church or a supporting church. You get in the middle of it and say, well I thought that's what this meant and you're able to say, no, this is what we meant when we said we'd be a supporting church or a sending church. And then also the planter, what are the expectations for the planter, what is the expectation of the of the church? We've actually had
2: one of the planters to come down to preach. Good. And show that, and leading up to it, we showed a lot of films of the area. Mm-hmm. And this was about the time when Baltimore was having a lot of really bad problems with the mayor and stuff like this, and right. they were there. And I think they're supposed to meet this week to debrief. Mm-hmm. Everybody sit down and pull out mm-hmm. their experiences and put them mm-hmm. together so they can bring it back to the church. This is what we as individuals experienced.
0: Right. And uh, Which
2: will help the church understand the right. Lord. And we're still in the form of uh, trying to support them. Uh, we just have the uh, shoe ministry, mm-hmm. uh, collect the shoes to get money and stuff like that and it should today last yeah.
0: it is uh, there's such creativity it's open for creativity for how you how you support and encourage uh, and any what, questions that's the main
2: reason why I came to
0: it yeah okay
2: tonight for that uh, is because of what our church does and uh, again uh, my pastor has been over to long uh, church Right. And I think we are planning to come back with y'all so, Good. Uh,
0: Good
2: and the other thing is, I sell church
0: furniture. Ah, <laughs> so, you know, I got you. I, I, I'll, I'll build a church, I'll you need know, a lot of churches up. planted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> one, I'll fill it up. Let's plan some more. That's right. Plan some more. All right. Any questions before we shut down? And if you got to go right now, feel free. Any questions? Because I may not have hit your question. It's time, but. Is that too large to email (coughs) to? Is it too large? No, it's not a large file. Yeah. Send me an email out of my pretty red uh, little wallet. (laughs) And I'll be glad to answer any questions for you and get you in touch with Lana, with Ben. uh, If you want to go further, if you want to know more about resourcing church plants, I'd be glad to get you some resources there. But let me pray for you because we didn't pray to start out. So we need to, you know, if we're going to take prayerful risk, we need to pray at least once. So let's pray and ask God's blessing on you. as you. uh, And I thank you for coming and just investigating this. Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for each one in this room. I know that you have a distinct calling on every life in this room. And Father, I know that you have brought us together around this subject of just planting churches that take the gospel uh, throughout our world, but also around our neighborhoods. And Father, we ask now that you would bless each one tonight, that you would begin to stir in our hearts what you want, and Father, that we would be able to hear it, and that we'd respond to you. And Father, be a support for one another as we travel in our journey, one another, uh, Father, to serve you and to follow you in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. All
1: right,
0: thanks. I appreciate you guys being here. Thank you, sir.